Knowledge is the key. CannabisRadio.com is here to keep you in the know on Just Say No. Did you know there are over 100 medical conditions that can benefit from cannabis therapy? Just Say No talks to patients who have used cannabis to treat their medical symptoms and create a better quality of life. Each week, we will tackle a chronic condition by talking to patients, doctors, and researchers with the goal to helping you live, learn, and thrive. Just say yes to Just Say No. Now here is your host, Ryan Hunt from MJWellness.com. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ryan Hunt from MJWellness.com, and welcome to Just Say No. Each week here on Just Say No, we evaluate, investigate, and give a thorough look at all of the various diseases we think cannabis therapy can help. Today, our guest is Laura Logano. Laura has launched the Holistic Cannabis Network, whose mission is a conversation, education, and empowerment, and I believe it's with a focus on educating doctors. Hello, Laura. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Sure. Laura, you are a clinical nutritionist uh, with one of the best websites I've ever read on nutrition. There's a whole bunch of great information on there. You've appeared on CNN, the Food Network, Fox. I'm curious about what got you into nutrition in the first place. I read on your blog that you started your own journey after you had a root canal. Well, my initial interest in nutrition actually is from probably growing up in a very food-centric household. So I was very interested in food and also from listening to the radio, ironically enough. And there was a program that my parents used to listen to in New York, and the program often featured Adele Davis and Carlton Fredericks and other luminaries in the what I'm going to call the alternate nutrition world. And one such luminary was Ben Feingold. And Ben Feingold spoke a lot about the relationship between artificial colors and sugar and children's behaviors. And there my interest was born. And I never actually forgot about that. Yet when I went to school, that was not something that was talked about. Now, fast forward many, many years, and I have a child with a developmental delay. And one Halloween, she had literally an outer body experience, like nothing you've ever seen. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me, is this child bringing me back to my original interest in nutrition? And that is exactly what happened. And I feel like our children are delivered to us as a gift because they are helping to bring us back on our original path, which for me was that relationship between nutrition and brain health. And sure enough, it was the artificial ingredient in all of that candy that she ate that was triggering that reaction in her. And then it was my own root canal that triggered what is referred to as an autoimmune cascade or an inflammatory cascade that then led me really to say, what am I doing? Why aren't I really focusing on holistic health and holistic nutrition? And that's when it was born. So from there, you started working with doctors or practitioners in, in cannabis. What brought you to cannabis? Well, business partner Donna Shields and I, she's also a registered dietitian nutritionist, really were noticing that the way cannabis is being recommended right now is sadly more as a Band-Aid approach, as a bandage approach, the same way a lot of medications are being recommended which is here you have a problem, go ahead and use cannabis. 
And that's really not the way that it's intended to be used. Cannabis really needs to be integrated into the practitioner's toolbox. And our target, so to speak, the practitioners who we're really looking at are not as much the physicians but more the other healthcare professionals, the nutritionists, the dietitians, the aromatherapists, the herbalists, the massage therapists, the yoga practitioners, all of those practitioners who are considered quote-unquote allied, the practitioners who actually develop the healthcare plans, the health coaches who help the patients. Because typically in a doctor's office, let's face it, the way healthcare is set up right now, you don't see a doctor for more than seven minutes. Behavior change does not occur within seven minutes. In fact, you need at least 10 visits. And when I say visits, I'm not talking seven minutes. I'm talking full-fledged hour, hour and a half to two-hour visits with a patient to affect change. It's not going to happen in seven minutes or even in one one one-hour visit. So we're talking about working with consumers, working with patients to integrate several modalities to help them in their journey toward wellness. Yeah, and you say you use it as part of a toolbox. When we talk about the toolbox that practitioners have to use with their patients, how do they bring in marijuana to that? How can it help people control symptoms or help them with a healthy lifestyle? Okay, so cannabis can really help people achieve wellness because cannabis has actually been indicated in numerous, numerous health conditions from, you know, the well-known glaucoma to cancer. And I'm not just talking about for cancer symptoms, but also for tumor reduction. New research is revealing possible action in bone health and also diabetes, clearly from, as I mentioned, or as we talked about earlier, on insomnia, pain relief, and anxiety, which are probably the three top reasons why people use cannabis, even if people are using cannabis, quote-unquote, for adult use or recreationally, people are self-medicating, whether they realize it or not. So there are so many different reasons why cannabis is appropriate. One of the ones that's probably closest for me is the use of cannabis for seizure disorders. I think unless you've been living under a rock, everybody knows, I believe, that cannabis is very appropriate for children in particular who have seizure disorders. One one of the problems with this is that many physicians wait until these children have tried numerous, numerous pharmaceuticals and then they go to cannabis. And this is actually the same thing that happens with food. I refer to in my practice as food as medicine. The kitchen is actually medicine. But yet food is often the last things people go to for healing. And cannabis is a plant and it's an herb. Same type of thing. So there's a little bit of a, a disconnect in our healthcare system on how we need to heal and that the body has an innate healing mechanism and that nature has provided the mechanisms to aid that healing. Cannabis is one of those mechanisms. It's interesting that cannabis is, you can use it for so many different things. I think on MJ Wellness, we have like over a hundred different things that people say it can help with. I always wonder if it's the food or the lifestyle or cannabis. Do you think cannabis is kind of a as big of a cure as people are claiming? 
Well, that's a great question, Ryan. I think that, yes, I would not necessarily refer to cannabis as, for instance, a panacea, because I don't think anything is a panacea. But the number of studies in which cannabis has been implicated as therapeutic are plentiful. And the number of various conditions are, as you said, it's really 100 plus all over the map in various conditions. And the primary reason for that is the endocannabinoid system, which we don't need to go into now. But what I can say about the application is I think we're going to be finding more and more because the studies that can be done, of course, are limited because cannabis is, sadly, a Schedule One drug. So the number of people who can get cannabis to study it in the U.S. is far and few between. And many of those studies, of course, the origin is in Israel, which is sort of like ground zero for studies on medical marijuana. Yeah. So I think the answer is panacea, no, because I don't think anything is a panacea. But the application is vast, absolutely vast. And I think we will see in years to come many more indications. And I certainly didn't think in my lifetime that we'd be where we are now with cannabis. I see that it's all good. Well, I'll tell you what, we need to take a break. But when we come back, we'll talk more with our guest, Laura Logano. We will be right back once you get to know our sponsors. Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, more flavor. MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on MJWellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out mjwellness.com today. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, most people who use don't have a problem. So I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. Just Say No, spelled K-N-O-W, is back with more conversation about curing and healing with cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Just Say No. I'm Ryan Hunt from MJWellness.com. We've been discussing Healthy Choices Unlimited with Laura Logano. And Laura... It sounds like you've had a lot of work with children and that, you know, I have two children 
And I want to veer maybe a little bit from marijuana since we have you and talk just about children's health and nutrition. I'm seriously struggling with feeding my children non-kid foods. And it wasn't until I read a little bit about you that I realized, oh, there are non-kid foods out there. Like half of the stuff or most of the stuff I feed them says four kids, you know, Cliff Bar, four kids, you know, that I feed my children. What happened? When did we start feeding kids kid food and making ourselves separate meals? That is a great question. I know that when I was a kid, there was no such thing as a kid menu. It just wasn't there. And most parents, as my mother would say, I am not a short order cook and the kitchen is closed. Those were two of her very famous sayings. And I think that they were two pretty good things. Why do we feed kids different menus? Why, when you go into a restaurant, are there the kids' menu? I have no clue why that, <laughs> why, why that is. I think that we have perhaps gone from a parent-centric society where if your father were playing golf on Sunday and your mother was running a fundraiser, you went along. The kids went along. And we sort of, the pendulum has swung to a kid-centric society where we are, as parents, doing whatever the kids want. And with that, of course, have come, I think, other things, as in the kids' menu. I have actually had people over to my home who are restaurant owners. Now, you would think as a restaurant owner, and this is a fine restaurant owner, that these particular children would be eating what's served at the restaurant, which is like varied foods, great menu. That was a bad assumption on my part. These children did not want to eat what I was serving, which was, in my opinion, a great meal. And the parents asked if they could have cereal for dinner. I was shocked. But this (laughs) is very common. Yes. I am super guilty of doing that myself. I feel like half the time I'm just, what do you want to eat? I'll make you whatever you want to eat. Just eat, just eat. How do you change children's behavior? I mean, I know it's, it's our responsibility as parents to do it. What has been your experience? How do you get kids to eat adult right. food? <laughs> I guess if we're going to sure. call it that. Okay. Well, how do you get them to eat real food? Let's real food. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I would say that the first thing you have to do as parents, parents have to decide what food they're going to bring into the house. So if you don't want your children to eat certain foods, Don't bring it into the house. That's the first thing. Allow the children to decide how much they're going to eat, but you decide when they're going to eat. So if you would like to have, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner with snacks, then that's what it is. Because let's say if we get to the point where we say this is what you're having for dinner, but then your child chooses not to eat the dinner, and now your little baby they're usually not babies because they're talking by this point, say, I'm hungry, and then you let your kid get up to have a bowl of cereal or a banana or a piece of pizza, whatever it is, clearly they're very smart and they know that they can do that every night. So I think it has to probably be a little bit of tough love and a little bit of just common sense and don't bring the food into the house and don't, just don't offer it at all. And you sort of have to seem like you're running a tight ship at that point. But believe me, they're not going to starve and they will eventually eat the food that you're presenting to them. What do you make your children for breakfast? 
been making waffles and <laughs> these things that I, I feel like maybe I should just hand them a cup of yogurt or something in the morning. But <laughs> I, you know, I'm packing the lunch, I'm making them breakfast, and I'm just putting things in there I know that they'll eat. And they're really proud when they finish their lunch and they tell me at the end of the day. But what would you recommend as like a healthy start for a kid? Well, first of all, kids definitely need to have breakfast before they go to school. Those little bodies really churn up a lot of energy and those brains are working every day at school. So that you definitely want to send them out with breakfast and that breakfast really should be a protein food with fat, not a high carbohydrate food. So not cereal, not waffles, not pancakes, not bagels, not toast. So good old-fashioned eggs and when I say eggs, I mean the whole egg, not the white, the entire egg and a high-quality, nitrite-free bacon. That is a great way to start the day. You know, or a, a sausage that's also nitrite-free. If you can find something that is free of antibiotics, grass-fed, etc., that's even better. That's a great way to start the day. Having dinner for breakfast too. So, if you've made roasted chicken the night before, the chicken leg. You know, kids love those drum bones. That's a great way to start. And again, with a, a good quality fat, whether it's a grass-fed butter or coconut oil used in the cooking, and of course, any type of vegetable would be great too. So, you know, sort of getting away from any of the more Americanized versions of what breakfast, you know, may be. Yeah, sure. Do you think that what we feed our children is changing kind of the guts and the bacteria inside them? I just kind of wonder what the long-term effects of what we're feeding our kids are as they get older. Absolutely. Of course, that's, and we'll be hearing more and more about that, that's referred to as the microbiome, which is your whole community of bacteria and everything that goes with it in your gastrointestinal system and other areas of your body. And that microbiome definitely directs health. You know, the question is, of course, with the microbiome, we have 10 times more microbiome bacteria cells than we do human cells. So the question is, who is hosting whom? Mm. Is it changing? Yes. But it can also change very quickly. So the microbiome, your microbiome and my microbiome might be changing during this interview because mm. stress and what you're doing can change your microbiome. The weather, you know, what you take in eating, it really does change very dramatically. So changing microbiome to change health does not need to seem like such an ordeal. But are we changing that in our children? Absolutely. Because high-carbohydrate diets are also leading to microbiome that are high in yeast because yeast loves that sugar. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Laura, we need to take a break. But when we come back, let's continue talking a little bit about our kids and then maybe some other healthy alternatives that we can provide them, whether it's, you know, through hemp oil or, or cannabis for those kids who need it. We will be right back once you get to know our sponsors. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. 
Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to ensure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at KarcherInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Karcher Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. Just Say No, spelled K-N-O-W, is back with more conversation about curing and healing with cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. I'm Ryan Hunt from MJWellness.com, and we've been talking to Laura Logano about children's health. Laura, you have three kids of your own. One of your children you were saying earlier had a seizure disorder, and apraxia? What is apraxia? Apraxia is a complete inability to speak, and I actually have sort of a funny story about that. Sure. When I took my daughter to the neurologist, and this was for something completely unrelated to speech, or so I thought, the doctor told me that she would never speak. And I did not even know how to react to that because she was only about nine months old. So I thought, well, she's not supposed to be speaking now anyway. And I looked at him and I said, of course she's going to speak. We're Italian. So <laughs> with, with that type of attitude, I then just forged ahead and discovered that I was actually part of her treatment plan as a dietitian. And I investigated everything and anything that was biomedical related to enable her to speak. And she actually has a twin brother. And when they were very little, he was extremely quiet. So people who knew that I had twins and one had apraxia almost always thought he was the one with apraxia because she became such a chatterbox. Wow. Do you attribute that to changing the nutrition of your daughter? Absolutely. It was a combination of things. You know, as I said before, it's there's always a toolbox and many modalities are integrated. So it was definitely changing her nutrition, also, you know, adding foods, the supplements that she took. And without a doubt, it was also speech therapy and occupational therapy. She mm. had fantastic, fantastic therapists. So it was a combination of things for sure. Well, Laura, over here, you know, we run mjwellness.com and probably 90% of the emails I get are people who want to use cannabis, but they're in a state where it's not legal. And these are patients who have a real need and I can't tell them anything. I can't recommend anything for them because, you know, they're not in a state where it's legal. I wonder though, 
and I know you're not an expert in this, but do you think hemp oil and high CBD hemp oils have value to patients who can't use cannabis and the entourage effect and all the great things about cannabis? I do. Yes, absolutely. I think that people have to be very careful about where the hemp oil is coming from because there are a lot of people out there now selling hemp oil. Mm -hmm. Patients need to be very careful about where the hemp oil is coming from. There is an organization called Project CBD that has a lot to say about that. So people can go online and check that out. And in fact, Martin Lee of Project CBD will be speaking on the Holistic Cannabis Summit, which is a free online conference for the public and for healthcare professionals. That's going to be taking place in February from February 16th to the 19th. So people can just check that out at holisticcannabissummit.com. And not only will Project CBD presenting, but many, many other people. We have over 20 speakers, all things cannabis. Do you think that that entourage effect is more important than just straight CBD? I mean, we're starting to talk about CBD more and more. And I know hemp oil places are selling these things based on high CBD concentrations. But is it the interaction between THC and CBD that really gives these health benefits to people? Absolutely. And, you know, the THC content does not have to be through the roof. You know, the way the cannabis plant has been bred recently, I'm talking about recently in, in terms of the history of the cannabis, of the ancient plant, where it's been bred to have a high THC psychoactive content. But the original plant, as it appears in nature, does not have a super high THC psychoactive component. But yes, there is that entourage effect. And yes, most of the preparations of oils would have some amount of THC in it. And the other 150 cannabinoids to impart a positive health effect. Laura, what do you think the minimum amount of CBD or THC, I'm sorry, in products is good for that entourage effect? You know, we see products coming out with like 16 to 1 or 32 to 1 or 1 to 1. And, you know, when I take it, I never know which one I should be doing. If I take this, you know, 16 to 1 CBD to THC, is that giving me enough benefit? Okay, that's a great question, Ryan. That question really depends on so many factors, and that would be very specific to the patient and very specific to the condition that was being treated. So for, let's say, for seizure disorders where you would have one particular ratio for a specific patient, whether it was a uh, pediatric patient who was having 100 seizures a day or a pediatric patient who was having one seizure per week, versus somebody who was using cannabis for pain or insomnia or, or stress, it would be very different. And what we're seeing is that many people who are self-medicating are over-medicating. And cannabis is one of those things where actually less is more. So a lower dose can be more effective. Mm, that's interesting. I'll tell you what, we're out of time. I, I'd love to talk to you more about that at some other point. And this whole microdosing thing that people are doing, very interested in that. But I do want to thank you for joining us for this edition of Just Say No. We'd like to thank our guest, Laura Logano, and our producer for finding these great guests and making this show possible. 
You can download episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. You can follow the show on Facebook and Google+. For more information about our guests and to read more about patients using cannabis to control their symptoms and to talk to me, please go to mjwellness.com. You can find Laura at the holisticcannabisnetwork.com. Join us next week when we'll tackle more conditions that can be managed using marijuana therapy. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.